Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'm going to talk to you today about what it actually means to believe. Is believing a state of mind? Is it simply just an acknowledgement? I believe God. I believe that He exists. I believe in the story of Jesus. Is it simply an acknowledgement? Or I will challenge you today is it something that you have to do? Is there action required? Is there something that has to take it just a little bit further before we can be called the true disciples of Jesus Christ? I know that some will reject this word today, they'll turn away from it. That's not what my tradition said, that's not the way I was raised. That's not what I believe in. I understand that. And everyone has a right to believe what they believe. And that's okay. We can still be friends and disagree. We can still work with one another and disagree. We can still work side by side in society and disagree. But that will not change the fact that I'm going to share the truth of the Word of God with you today. And hopefully, for those that do not reject, it'll plant a seed in your hearts that will never, ever be taken away. I'm going to take you into the book of Matthew. And by the way, I'm going to take this tour through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to start out in the gospel and move forward in the New Testament. And I'll walk you through that process. You're going to hear words like kingdom of heaven, the word, scriptures, salvation, believe. And again and again, I'm going to clarify you exactly what those words mean. I'm not going to interpret them for myself. I'm not going to give you a false definition. I'm going to tell you precisely what those words mean and why they're significant this morning. Matthew chapter 7, if you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Matthew 7 and 21 is a very poignant set of scriptures. This is Jesus Christ speaking. This is the end of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 are the famous Sermon on the Mount, the first full sermon that Jesus teaches when he begins his ministry. And if you want to know everything you need to know about Jesus Christ and his ministry and what he expects of you as a Christian, read the Sermon on the Mount to begin with. 5, 6, and 7 in the book of Matthew. But I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 7 and 21 this morning. And it says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. When we talk today about kingdom of heaven, we're talking about salvation. We're talking about our goal when we die. Kingdom of heaven is one way that it's said. He says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord. In other words, people that acknowledge me as Lord and King, people that are calling themselves Christians or followers of Christ, not every one of them that says that is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. There's action involved. He that does the will. We know that the Old Testament and the New Testament are called testaments for a reason because they are the will of God, the last will and testament of God. Verse 22 goes on to say, many will say to me in that day, that day that he's speaking of is the day that you'll face him, the day that you'll stand before God, the last day, the day of judgment, the day that he meets with you. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Again, they'll acknowledge him as, 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 a, as a Christian would, as, as he being the Lord in their lives. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. There's going to be people who call themselves Christian, people who call Jesus Lord that have done all of these things. They've, they've done these amazing works. But something went wrong. 
Some doesn't match up because Jesus said not every one of them will enter into the kingdom. Why? Why would that be the case if we acknowledge him as Lord? If we say that we believe him, why wouldn't that be the case? In verse 23, he says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, sayings, you're going to hear that word today, sayings means his words, the word of God, scripture, the Bible. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. That rock, of course, we know is Jesus Christ. The word again and again refers to him as the rock of our salvation, the stone that the builders rejected, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. That rock, you've built your house upon a rock, the words of Jesus Christ. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock, Jesus Christ. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and the fall of it was great you can be seated this morning in the house if you're standing in your homes I appreciate you respecting the word of God but you can be seated there too our faith our religion our relationship has to be founded on him You could call him Lord, but if you don't found what it is that you're doing in life, the doing of his will, the doing of his word, if it's not founded in him, it's worthless to him. When he said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I knew you not. That word in scripture, K-N-E-W, knew, is the same word that was described when Joseph, it was said that Joseph knew not his wife Mary. They were not intimate. That was a physical intimacy they were speaking of. She was pregnant but knew her husband not. This knew is the same knew, however, it is a spiritual intimacy. It means there was no relationship. God is not within you. He's not with you. It's just simply what it says. He knew them not, and he told them to depart and, 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 and called them ye that work iniquity. Our faith and our religion has to be founded on him. Look at Paul's warnings to the Colossians. I'm going to take you into the, into the New Testament now. Uh, the book of Colossians. Paul uh, preached to the Colossians in the book of Acts and, and saved the church there, but he writes a letter to them in Colossians 2 and 8. And he says this, he says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. In other words, not after his word. Folks, we live in a world where Christianity for several hundred years has has been defined and redefined and and recalculated. Uh, We live in a society where we want everything easy. We want drive-up window food. We want quick access. We want Amazon at our door the next day. We want everything conveniently. And I'm afraid that this world has taken Christianity and it's turned something so precious and so powerful and so meaningful and something that takes work and it takes a devotion and a dedication in life and we've turned it into a happy meal. We've made it easy. We've had churches that just say, just do this. If you've got a preacher or a pastor who's looking at you and saying, son, if you want to get baptized, or excuse me, if you want to be saved, just do this or just do that. It's that simple. You should be aware of that. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. 
A common doctrine that we hear today says just believe and you're saved. Confess and you're saved. Say a prayer and that's it. They tell you you can't save yourself with works. They mock churches who still believe in the baptism in Jesus' name. They mock people who are working towards their salvation through obedience to the word of God. That is a work. It's a righteous work that Titus chapter 3 says. It's a righteous work. It's not a work of, of righteousness that doesn't mean anything. It's, it's, a, it's a critical work. But they tell us that we're doing works. And we're trying to save ourselves based on activity. That's wrong. I'm talking about obedience to the word of God. Now here's proof that this exists. In Romans chapter 10 and 9, this is a favorite place. Listen to what this says. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Well, that seems pretty easy. Confess with your mouth that you believe and you're saved. But I want to tell you that word shout is not a now. It is not it just happened because you believed or because you said that prayer. It's not a now. Shout is a future tense. Look it up in scripture. Look it up in the Greek. It is a future tense. You shall be saved. However, verse 10 goes on to say this. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, there it is again, Pastor. He's, he's, Paul reiterated it to the Romans. Verse 11 goes on to say, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, isn't that interesting? First confess, then believe. Believe in your heart, believe and not be ashamed, and then call upon the name of the Lord. I want to say to you today that there are a lot of things that start with a certain process. There are a lot of things that, that you can't get through the second door if you don't go through the first door. You can't get to the third door if you don't go through the first two and Paul, interestingly here, is writing a letter to the, to the, to the Romans, uh, a, a church that he, saved, that he ministered to and saw saved in the book of Acts. These were Christians already saved. They already understood the salvation message. You can go back into the book of Acts and see that they followed his word, and we'll see it here shortly. But this is a foundational piece. Now skip down to verse 16 where it says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Esaias say, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So that tells me when it says obeyed the gospel, that tells me that there's something i got to look to. There's something else that's in there that I've got to follow. Obedience is a work. It's an action. Yes, but it's necessary. If you go to the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, chapter 1, starting at verse 14, it says this. Now this is Jesus, uh, you'll see, see his very words. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel and the kingdom of God. Remember I said kingdom of God, it's equated to salvation, it's our destination, it's the place we want to go, it's heaven. Preaching the gospel of kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. So there's a step there, there's an action Jesus himself says, you've got to repent and believe the gospel. What does it mean to repent? 
The Bible says that all have come short of glory. We're all sinners. We all have to repent. It's an action. It's turning aside. It's a 180-degree turn from, from the life that you lived before. Maybe you, you spent some time in, in a traditional faith. Maybe, maybe you grew up going to church a, a few times here and there. You believe in God. You've got a Bible on your shelf. Those are great things. Those are foundational things. But unless your life has been centered with God in the middle of it, unless you've dedicated yourself to him, you've got to repent of the things that you're doing that are displeasing. And you've got to turn away from those things. Sin is sin, and it's real. And we can't just say a prayer. We can't just determine in our lives we believe God and go on and do things that are clearly displeasing to him in the word of God. We can't live a life of sin and say that we belong to him. That is where he will look at us and say, I knew you not. We must understand this today. Further in Mark, in the gospel of Mark in chapter 16 and 15, I read a little bit of this to you last week. I said, and he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking to the apostles. He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, the word of God, the gospel to every creature. He that believeth, he that believeth and is baptized. Jesus introduces yet another part of this plan in this particular message to the, the apostles. He says, and, and is baptized shall be saved. That shall be is the same word as shalt that we read in the other scripture. And, and it believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, pastor, this is conflicting messages. This is, this is why the Bible, it conflicts itself, and that's why I get frustrated. No, I'm telling you, it's putting the pieces of the puzzle together. It's putting the thing together one step at a time. We've got to take it all. He goes on to say, but he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them. They'll follow them that believe. Folks, we're not chasing after signs. We're not looking for, for spiritual mysticism. We're not running around trying to find spooks and ghosts. Signs will follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. Well, that cast out devils thing, Pastor, that's, that's kind of weird. That's old time stuff. You talking about you guys running around, casting out enemies? I'll tell you what, you'd be shocked. You'd be surprised what's been documented in this society, things that have been cast out of people. But I'll tell you what, if I can get one person, one sinner who comes to this church and he says, listen, I've been living a terrible life. I've got an addiction to alcohol. I've got an addiction to drugs. And we pray for that person and we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And they kneel down at this altar and they repent as Jesus Christ said. And they give their life over to him. And they go through that painful process of turning those drugs over or turning that alcohol away, then I'm telling you, we've cast the devil out of that person in Jesus' name. Goes on to say that they shall speak with new tongues. It's a work, it's a sign, it's an infilling of the Spirit, it's a Spirit, spirit of the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to talk about that further. Go with me now into the book of John, the Gospel of John, and start at chapter 7. John chapter 7 and 38 says this. He that believeth on me, this is Jesus speaking again, he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Living water in scripture is, is, is equated to it. It is exactly the description of the spirit. It's the spirit of God. It's talking about the Holy Ghost. If you believe on him 
as the scripture hath said, not because of the rudiments of man, not because of vain deceit and philosophy, but as the scripture hath said, if you believe on him, as the scripture hath said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What's that's describing is the Holy Ghost coming out. We talk about speaking in tongues. It's real, folks. It's not imaginary. We're not making things up. It's just as it was yesterday, as it was 2,000 years ago. Literally, uh, it is estimated that a quarter, excuse me, three quarters of a billion people on planet Earth have this experience right now. They're tongue-talking, Holy Ghost, born-again, filled Christians who know that the Scripture said, out of the, the belly, rivers of living water will flow. And then it goes on to say, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. This is Jesus talking now. I'm telling you, this is our Lord and Savior. If you're calling yourself a Christian today, Christian Christ follower, this is the words of Christ. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why? Why at this point, when he was speaking to his disciples in the Gospels, why was the Holy Ghost not yet given? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. He promised the disciples when he sent them into Jerusalem, as I said last week, go and tarry and wait for power from on high. You'll be comforted by me. I'll return in the form of the Holy Ghost. Take a little step into the next chapter in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. It says this, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believe on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Continue in my word. What does that mean? What does it mean? Well, stay tuned. If we go into the book of Acts, it's the book right after the four Gospels. It's the one book that more people tell me uh, in, in multiples, ten times more than any other they've never heard of. Uh, it's never been preached to them. They didn't really ever understand what the book of Acts was, never were directed into it. Nothing was ever preached to them. I wonder why that is today. In Acts chapter 8, the Spirit of God calls to the Apostle Philip, and he tells him to go into the Gaza desert, and he's going to minister to an Ethiopian eunuch, a, a, a man of wealth, a man of, of great high stature. He serves the Ethiopian queen, and he's in his chariot, and he's reading the book of Isaiah. In, in the Greek, in, in the New Testament, you see it written as Isaiah, but he's reading the book of Isaiah. And, uh, and Philip approaches him, and, and, and in Acts chapter 8 and 35, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. In other words, he took that from him, and he's reading that same scroll from the book of Isaiah, the, the, the scripture of Isaiah, and he preached unto him Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. If you want to know from the Old Testament anything you want to know about Jesus Christ, and you want to know what the plan was from the very beginning, you read the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah might as well just be called the premonition, the prediction, and the, 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 excuse me, the prophecy of Jesus Christ. Throughout Isaiah, it all predicts everything that happened in the life of Christ. So he preaches unto him Jesus in verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came unto certain water. And the eunuch said, see here, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? They're in the desert. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
Did he stop there? Did he say, okay, I'm saved, hallelujah, I'm going to go on my, life, my way, get on my chariot and head back to Ethiopia? No, he did not. In verse 38, Peter commanded that the chariot should stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. That's extraordinary. Passing in the way, a man in a chariot in the middle of the desert on his way from Jerusalem back to his home. Reading the book of Isaiah, the Spirit of God sends him there. Does he preach him a sermon? Does he, does he tell him philosophy? Does he say, just believe? Well, you believe in God. You believe in Jesus. That's wonderful. No. Baptizes him. I'm going to take you into Acts chapter 10. Two chapters further. Acts chapter 10. This is a significant place in history. For the first time in history... In all the history of the world, in God's creation, in Acts chapter 10, God sends Peter a message, sends him a dream, and tells him to go to the house of a man named Cornelius. He was a Roman soldier. Cornelius was, but he was honorable to God. He gave, he gave alms. He, he, was, he was kind of an odd character. He was kind of a Christian guy. He, he did many wonderful things, and, and, and his alms and his prayers went up before the Lord, and the Lord acknowledged it. And, but, but Cornelius clearly didn't have everything. Why? Because God speaks to Peter and says, you got to go talk to this man. you got to go into this house. And Peter argues with him. Him and says, hey, that, that's a Gentile. I don't touch the dirty, unclean thing. And Jesus says to him at that point, and he shows him this, this great sheet full of all of these different foods, things that the Jews aren't supposed to eat, and says, that with me, things are no longer unclean. I'm declaring this clean. I'm declaring this message to these unclean Gentiles. Well, what does that tell you? It tells you that you've got a man, Cornelius, who's doing these Christian things, or at least he's being honorable to God, but he doesn't quite have the message. He's a believer, but he hasn't done something yet. If that were not the case, God would not send Peter to him. Acts 10 and 43 says to him, Give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. He heard scripture. They heard what, what Peter was preaching to them of Jesus. They heard the gospel message. While he was still preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on that group, and they of the circumcision which believed, he's talking about the Jews, were astonished. They couldn't believe it. As many as came with Peter, all of them that came with Peter were just, they were blown away because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now look at verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? First of all, I want to say, that'll tell you right there, that you can receive the Holy Ghost and then be baptized. You're going to find out in Scripture that you can be baptized and then receive the Holy Ghost. There's not a particular order, but it is the necessary part of Scripture. It's the message that these apostles are bringing. It's the word that Jesus brought. It's his word. It's the words of the Savior. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? How do we know that they received it? Verse 46 said, for they heard them speak with tongues. Now look at verse 48. This is not a soft 
scripture. This is not a suggestion. This isn't a, hey, if you feel like it and you want to be a part of the fellowship, here's an option for you. Verse 48 says, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they prayed them, they to, excuse me, prayed they them to tarry certain days. If you go on to Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16 show, it brings us the picture of Paul and Silas uh, in jail. They've been jailed because of preaching Jesus. And, and they're in and they're praying and they're worshiping and the jail doors fly open and, and they could easily have escaped and run out and the jailer recognizes this. The jailer doesn't know what to do and because he knows he's going to be punished for what's going on, he, he takes a sword and begins to go to the process to kill himself. In Acts chapter 16 and 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Nobody escaped the jail. They were honorable. They stayed there. And, and we, we don't kill yourself. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling. This is the jailer now. And he fell down before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, sirs, listen to this phrase. Listen to this phrase. It's the question many of you should be asking. It's the question that this world, this lost and dying world should be asking today. Not when is COVID going to be over or when am I going to get my check from the government? The question that you should be asking today is what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and baptized he and all of his straight away. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's not an accident, folks, that this is throughout scripture again and again and again. The word of God is preaching the message for me this morning. Take it into Acts chapter 19. Receiving God's spirit is not automatic at believing. Some believe that because they acknowledge that there's a God, they said a word, they said a prayer, the Holy Ghost filled them. They may have felt his presence, and that's great. Again, a wonderful step, a faithful step. I'm not taking away anything from anyone's faith. I'm reading you the word of God. If you want to be a Christian about world philosophy, then that's the one you're going to be. But I'm telling you, there's a word in Scripture that con excuse me, confounds that and tells the truth. Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 1, it says, and it came came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, the city of Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost when? Since you believed. And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether they be any Holy Ghost. I want to ask you this question right now. If you receive the Holy Ghost automatically when you believe, then why would the Apostle Paul, literally the most powerful and most effective apostle, writer of most of the New Testament of the Bible, why would he ask a foolish question, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Why would he ask that question? The answer is because there is a separate step. It doesn't happen automatically because you acknowledge in your mind and say to yourself, I believe that there's a God. Why do I know that? Because scripture says it. Because it's the word. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto Jesus' baptism. John's baptism, excuse me. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. 
You remember this from tradition, from faith and Sunday school. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. He went out before him. He was preaching Jesus before Jesus came on the scene. And he was baptizing people. He was baptizing them in repentance. And he said it himself. There's one that's going to come after me whose shoes I'm not even worthy to latch. you got to believe on him. Believe on Jesus. I'm giving you the words of Jesus Christ today. Verse 5 says this, and listen to the response. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon him, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. That's the book. That's the church of Ephesians. That epistle that appears after the book of Acts. This is where the Ephesians were saved. They believed, they were baptized, and then Paul laid hands on them. He just reached out and prayed over them, and they received the Holy Ghost. How do we know? Because they spake with new tongues. The book of Philippians chapter 1 and 29 says this. It says, for unto, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Well, what does that mean to suffer? Does it mean to be beaten and hurt and, and scourged? No, it, it, there, there, there's gonna be suffering that comes along with being a Christian, standing up for what's right. Yes, it, it's modeling Christ's suffering, but it's talking about living the gospel. It's talking about making the sacrifice to turn away the, the indulgent fleshly things of this life, the things that, yes, bring, bring us pleasure, but, but end up in sin and hurt our bodies and hurt our souls. That's the suffering we're talking about. It's, it's just simply turning away from those things. But folks, I'm telling you right now, now there's a joy unspeakable there's a freedom there's a liberty that comes along with living this word and turning over and suffering for Christ I'm happy to suffer for Christ every single day because I'm not being taken down by illegal drugs I'm not being torn up by alcohol abuse I'm not being shredded in my spirit by a pornographic addiction I'm not indulging in the things of this world and not being torn apart by it Oh, it's a suffering not to have to do all those things. What a suffering in order not to do that. Why? To what end? The kingdom of heaven. Not only to believe on him, but to suffer for his sake. It is about the word of God. It is about acting on it. It is about certain works. James chapter 1. I'll be wrapping up here very shortly. James chapter 1 and 21 says, says this. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. It's talking about turn away from sin. And receive with meekness the engrafted word. What is the engrafted word? It's the word of God. It's the message of Jesus. It's the scriptures. It's all those other examples I gave you thus far. Which is able to do what? It's able to save your souls. Vain philosophy Philosophies of this world, predetermined, designed religions are not designed to save your soul. What is the engrafted word of God? Now listen to what he says in verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and do, excuse me, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, looking in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth this way, 
and straight away forget what manner of man he was. It's those times, it's talking about looking introspectively. When you really take a deep look at yourself and, and you really examine, you say, boy, those are some things in my life that just don't look right. That's not good. I should, I got to get away from these addictions. I got to get away from, I, I, I got to stop hurting people in my life. It, it's at looking inside. But when you're not a doer of the word, it's like taking that glass and putting it away and just forgetting all that and going back to the old life. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, another example, another name for this precious word, looking into the law of liberty, examining it, studying it, seeing what it says, what is it directing me to do, but who that looks into the law of liberty and continues therein. In other words, suffers for Christ, lives the word. For those who continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed indeed, in his deed. It really does matter in the end. We will be held to account. This word I'm talking about. Our understanding of this word. We will be held into account, folks. Listen to John chapter 12 and 48. This is Jesus speaking again. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. That just said to you that this little black book and everything that's contained in it from front to back, this little black book is the word that will judge you in the last day. Well, pastor, what does that mean? How do I even understand that? I'm telling you right now, it's talking about living this word. These scriptures that I just shared with you, these actions. You know, we get criticized, as I said all the time, about works. You people think that works are going to save you. You're going to manufacture your salvation. And I say to you, wrong. That's the wrong word and the wrong approach. What I'm saying to you that there are works of obedience that we're required to do in this word and I'm going to do them because I'm not going to sacrifice my soul for somebody's philosophy. I'm closing with this scripture. You in the room can stand. Revelation chapter 20. I just read to you that Jesus Christ himself that said that the word is going to be your judge in the last day. It's that day of judgment. Well, I'm going to give you a snapshot of that right now. In Revelations chapter 20, starting at verse 11, it says this. And I saw a great white throne, what we know to be the white throne judgment, and him that sat on it, of course, that's Jesus, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And verse 12 And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books, the Word of God. Folks, there are 66 books in this package I'm holding right here. 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. According to what? Worldly philosophy. According to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their belief? No. To their intentions? No. They were judged according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And finally, verse 15, 
and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's very simple this morning. It's about the word. It's about the works. It's about the words of Jesus Christ. We're going to have an altar service this morning. Here at Abundant Life, we believe that the Word of God is the true inspired Word of God. It's not open for inter interpretation. It's profitable for reproof, for, for, for direction and righteousness, for instruction, for correction. We believe that it is the inspired Word of God and we live it. If any of this meant something to you today, if there's a, there's a prick in your heart this morning, there's something that's just tugging at you, I'm telling you, it's the Spirit of God that's drawing you. This is your opportunity. Here at church, when we finish our messages, we have an altar call. We open up the front part of the church and people come down and it's their opportunity to pray, sometimes to repent, sometimes to worship, sometimes to ask God for their needs for other people. Whatever it may be, whatever God is putting on your heart right now, where you're sitting this very moment, I want you to bow your head. I'm not gonna ask you to repeat a, a, a pre-described uh, prayer after me. I'm not gonna do that. And this is just a first step. You have to understand. I described it in here in detail. There's more to it. But today's the day. This is where it starts. Bow your head right now with me, wherever you're sitting, in your living room, in your office, in front of your computer, by your phone, whatever it is. And just begin to talk to God. Lord Jesus, right now, God, I've heard your word, Jesus. This pastor just shared things with me that I, I didn't know about, I didn't understand, and I've always considered myself a Christian. I've always considered myself a good person, and, and I am a good person, and I do good things. I don't hurt people, but apparently, God, there's, there's things that, that I'm supposed to be doing. There's more to this process. I've held on to the way I believe it for so long, but I'm feeling something. God, speak to me right now. I'm just asking you, Jesus. Some of you may be at the place where you want to repent, you want to just turn it over. That's okay. Again, it's not my prayer to give you, it's not my words to give you, but just whatever's in your heart, God, forgive me. God, I'm just asking you to cleanse my heart. I want to be filled with your spirit, as the pastor said. I, I heard that that man was preaching, Peter was preaching, and as he was preaching the word, the Holy Ghost fell, and those people began to speak with tongues. I want that experience, God. I, I want to be saved. I want to be, I want to be heading to heaven if something goes wrong, if something happens to me, or at the end of my life, I want to know that my destination is clear. God, please forgive me. The Bible says that he wants to fill your heart, but your heart, if it's got bad stuff in it, he's, the Spirit is not going to dwell there. And that's why repentance is so important, because you're pouring out all of those bad things. God, cleanse my heart. Here's the, here's the issue that I have. Here's the things that I've done, God. Just, just cleanse my heart. I'm asking you, Jesus. Clean me out, Lord. I want to be filled with your Spirit, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, for every soul right now, God, that's praying, that's pouring their hearts out to you, that's asking for forgiveness and repentance, God. Lord, grant it to them. Let them begin to feel your presence. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Folks, right now, if you're, if you're earnest in your faith and if you truly believe and you're willing to speak out, the Bible says in the book of James, for the tongue can no man tame. It, 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 it brings about fire and, and, and destruction. But so God has chosen the tongue as the thing to subdue within you because it's the greatest thing that challenges him. If he can get your tongue, if he can get you to release that and begin to speaking in tongues, he knows he can have all the rest. 
It can happen for you right now, where you sit, where you are. If you begin to reach out, lift up your hands if you're comfortable. God, I want to be filled with your spirit. The folks in this room right now, we're believing together that if you're praying that prayer, God, fill me with your spirit. Just begin to worship him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And if you believe and we're believing with you right now, the spirit of God will be coming upon you. You'll feel that thing all over you. You begin to feel that presence. You begin to feel that that incredible feeling. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.